The Bible's most remarkable book on planet Earth. It is the very word of God. Every word is God-breathed. It's the very word God wanted those men over 1,500, 1,600 years, those 40 individuals, to write in this book so that we could have uh, something special from God. And so we're going to look at the Bible uh, this morning. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at how the Bible pictures itself. The Bible uses seven pictures to tell us how the Bible can help us, to tell us how if we get into the, the Bible, the Word of God, it will do something for us. We're only going to look at one today, but I'm going to test how many were here two weeks ago when uh, Colin um, spoke. How many of you were here when Colin spoke? Okay. He mentioned two of these. One of them he kind of really emphasized. And so if you know the answer to this question when I give it to you, um, raise your hand and, and we'll have some uh, incentive uh, pieces. <laughs> Colin said, the word of God is like this thing. And uh, I won't do it as, as well as Colin did. I thought about calling him up here to reenact it, but he's shaking his head. He said, there's this superhero that has this thing, and sometimes he stands, and he kind of stands like this, and he kind of flicks his hair, and then boom, it's right there in his hand. Who knows what it is? But, but what's the, what's the hand, thing that comes in his hand? Or his hand? <laughs> His hammer, yes. His hammer. Now we'll see if the if the advance works. Could you advance it for me? There we go. There's Thor with his hammer. The other one that's mentioned there in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29 is fire. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that shatters a rock. There are different ways that the Bible works in people's lives. Sometimes God's word works like a hammer and hammers away at people who are resistant to hearing God's voice. Sometimes it's like a fire. It fires people up. People have because of the word of God, left family and home and country and gone to faraway places to carry the message of the word of God as the word of God fires up their lives. Well, we're going to look at a different picture. And uh, again, if you can figure out what this next one might be from my slide, um, raise your hand and, and we'll call on somebody. If we'd have the next slide. What could, what picture could the word of God be known as? Yes. A mirror. A mirror. A mirror. The word of God says it is a mirror. If we could go to the next slide. James 1, 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, talking about the Bible, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. God says, my word is like a mirror. When, it, when you look into it, 
Uh, you're going to see something. If we could go to the next slide. Are mirrors important? Are mirrors important? If you have a mirror in your home, raise your hand. Look at that. You see that, kids? I counted, we have nine mirrors in our home. This is one of them. How many of you looked in a mirror this morning? Raise your hand. Okay, that explains some things. Um, so why are mirrors important? They are important. In fact, I was directing years ago, I directed at a teen camp down in Des Moines, and I thought, since the Bible's a mirror, what we will do to emphasize that is we'll cover all the mirrors, and you only get as much mirror time as you spent in the Word of God. And I had counselors said, we'll go home if you do that to us. So we had to skip that. But mirrors are important. Why are mirrors important? Who, who has an idea? Yes, why are mirrors important? So you can know what you look like. If you don't have mirrors or a reflective surface, you never know what you look like. Go to the next slide. What do you suppose this guy's going to see <laughs> when, he, when he finally opens his eyes there? Yeah, he, he needs some things. What, you see yourself reflected. What else do you see when you see in the mirror? Well, the room behind you, but, but what else do you see? You see yourself, but what else about yourself do you see? Um, I heard someone say it. What, what else do you see? Yes, back there. Somebody's point. What needs to be fixed? Did you know when you look in a mirror, you know what you ought to look like? You know what you ought to look like, and then you see how it doesn't work. Go to the next slide. When, when this gal opens her eyes, she's not going to be happy with what she sees because she knows what she should look like, and this isn't it, I hope. This isn't it. Go to the next slide. Now, do you suppose this gal's glad that she has a mirror? Yes. You know, if you didn't have a mirror... You wouldn't know if your hair was all scattered around. You wouldn't know if there was some dirt on your face. The mirror shows you what you look like to others, and you can't see that. God's mirror shows you what you look like to God. Go to the next slide. See, in a mirror, you see how others see you. You know how you should look, and you see what needs to be fixed. Go to the next slide. The Ten Commandments are God's mirror, one of God's mirrors. There's several mirrors in the Word of God that God uses for us. I'm going to teach, some of the, the kids know this from camp, but we're going to teach, and then we'll have a quiz. Put your ears on. We're going to learn how to use our fingers so that we memorize the Ten Commandments in order. Put up one finger. There is one God. You shall have no other gods before me. That means God gets first place all the time. There's one God. 
he gets first place. Commandment number one. Commandment number two, put up two fingers. Turn sideways and think of a pair of scissors. Cut out idols. You shall not make for yourself any graven image. Ezekiel says that includes idols of the heart. They don't have to be a physical object. There can be something in my heart that I value more than God, that takes God's place. Cut out idols. Commandment number three, what letter does the, do those fingers represent? What letter do you see in those three fingers? A what? W. A W. That means watch your words. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Watch your words. You hear it all, all through the all through the day as you walk around. People are using the name of Jesus, they're using the name of God, and they're not praying, and they're not giving thanks, and they're not worshiping. They're using God's name like it's just some empty thing that I can use to, ex to express uh, how I feel at that moment. God says, this one goes on and says, God will not hold guiltless the one who takes his name in vain. Just like when I'm walking uh, through a, a mall or something and I hear somebody yell, George, you know what happens? I always turn and look. Even though I might be 300 miles from home and nobody knows me, I, I hear my name. God hears his name. Watch your words. Don't take God's name in vain. Commandment number four. It was a special rule given to Israel. The Sabbath is for rest. Stop working. Commandment number four. The Sabbath is for rest. Stop working. Commandment number five. Think of a salute. Honor your father and mother. Commandment number five. Honor your father and mother. It means to obey with respect. If you do what your mom and dad ask you to do, but you do it grumpily and murmuring under your breath, you have not kept commandment number five. Honor your father and mother. Commandment number six, think of a gun. You shall not murder. A lot of people in this room went, good, got one finally. <laughs> Did you know the Lord Jesus says God knows your thoughts? And if you hate someone else in your heart, You've broken that law. Commandment number six, do not commit murder. Commandment number seven, what letter does this, these two fingers form? Yes. Yeah. What letter? Seven. <laughs> yeah, I do. What? V. V, yes. When you get married, you make a, a vow, a promise to your spouse I will be faithful to you as long as we both shall live. Commandment number seven is don't commit adultery. Keep your vows. Keep your promises. And it really extends beyond that, that we are to be people who keep our promises. We're faithful to our promises. Commandment number eight. This is our dear friend, Eddie. Eddie lives in a country where if you steal, they cut off a finger if you steal again, they cut off another one. And after two times being caught, eight-fingered Eddie has learned, do not steal. 
do not steal. Commandment number nine. These nine are standing up. This one is lying down. So commandment number nine is do not lie. Do, do not bear false witness. And then commandment number 10. Think of hands always reaching for something. Oh, man, he has a nice car. I wish I had that car instead of him. Oh, look at that house. Boy, I want that house instead of them. It's called coveting. It's the desire to possess what other people have. Well, were you listening? Can, can I have you back it up one? There we go. Who amongst the kids can tell me what commandment number three is? Commandment number three. Who knows? Yes. Yes, watch your words. Do not take God's name in vain. How about commandment number six? The gun, yes. Do not murder. How about commandment number two? Those scissors, yes. Cut out idols. Oh, good. She's a better catcher than I'm a thrower. How about commandment number eight, my friend Eddie? You know? I saw your hand. Can you help her out? No, it's not lie. That's number nine. What's? Yes. Do not steal. How about two more? Let's see. What's commandment number one? Yes. I know you. Um, there's only one God. There's only one God. He gets first place. Last one. How about commandment number six? Yes. Do not murder. I did that one again. All right. All right. Now. Should we test the adults? Okay. See, they thought they were here for a free ride. So, adults, who can tell me what commandment number 10 is? Commandment number 10. Yes. Do not covet those hands that greedily Oh, ducking. Oh, that's it. That's a low blow. <laughs> How about commandment number... Commandment number five. I know this is one every adult likes. Commandment number five. Yes. Honor your father and mother. One more. Commandment number four. Commandment number four. Yes, in the back. Yes, the Sabbath day is for rest. Now, God, oh, good grab, saved me. If we go ahead a couple. Uh, go back one. All right, God's mirror. Uh, let me share a story with you that will illustrate Maybe how God's mirror works. Uh, go ahead. 
One of my wife's favorite books is a book called Desdemona, 12 Going on Desperate. Desdemona and her family, which consisted of her dad, who was a psychologist who sometimes had to travel, and twin uh, brother and sisters who were in kindergarten and three dogs. And they had to move to a brand new town. And so Desdemona, she was going to start a new junior high school. And it was very stressful. She was very self-conscious. And she knew she was coming into a new school. People would be looking at her. She was anxious because all the other girls had made friends and had grown up with these others. And she was a new gal on the block. Well, her dad had to go away to a conference. He had a housekeeper named Mrs. Pharisee who was there to kind of watch him. And they had been refinishing the uh, floors, the wood floors in the house that they were renting. And they had put polyurethane on the floors. Polyurethane is a plastic that hardens so it can protect the wood. So nothing can, can destroy the wood. This plastic is very, very hard. Well, her brother Anthony who was five, he was intrigued by this. And he wanted some of it, so he went and he grabbed the shampoo poo bottle out of the bathroom, dumped out the shampoo, and filled it up with polyurethane so he could have some later. He left it in the kitchen, and Mrs. Pharisee, seeing the shampoo bottle in the kitchen, says that needs to be in the bathroom. So she put it in the bathroom. That's when Des decided to wash her hair. Go to the next slide. How would you feel if you looked in the mirror and saw your hair looking like this and realized it was frozen that way? It was covered in plastic. It was hard. Mrs. Pharisee tried to wash her hair several times. It wouldn't wash out. They went to a local hairdresser. She wore a hat on the way down. When she got there, she took off the hat, and the hairdresser said, Oh, honey. <laughs> the only thing they could do was cut all her hair off leaving a half-inch stubble that was stiff from the polyurethane all over her head. Can you imagine looking in the mirror and seeing that and knowing you can't fix it? Well, we don't have time to go through the whole story. I'll just tell you, Things kind of worked out okay later. But uh, it, it was a horrendous thing that she saw in the mirror. Go to the next slide. See, in God's mirror, we see, we see ourselves the way God sees us. And when we're going through those Ten Commandments, and God says, do not steal. Do not lie. Give me first place all the time in your life. Do not put something there in my place. You know what happens? It shows our sin. Sin is crimes against God. 
and it shows us the consequences of our sins. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, separation from God forever. And it shows us we can't fix it. We cannot fix it. But you know what else it shows? It creates a hunger. We actually read this verse in the first meeting. Jesus is our tutor. The law is our tutor to lead us to Christ. It creates in us, I'm in a mess. I can't fix it. They went down to find a hairdresser because they knew looking in the mirror at that hair, they weren't going to be able to fix it no matter how many times they washed it. Go to the next slide. Psalm 14, verses 2 and 3 says, The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men. Did you know God watches you all the time? He hears what you say. What you say. He knows what you think all the time. The Lord has looked down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So God's looking. Is there anybody down there? And they're doing what I said for them to do. And what does he see? They've all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There's no one who does good, not even one. Doesn't mean you don't do good things on occasion. But is there anybody out there who's keeping my law all the time? No, not one. That word corrupt is a word, a Hebrew word that means broken beyond the ability to fix. God says, I look down on, on humankind and they disobeyed my law and their lives are broken beyond their ability to fix it. Kids, these verses are found in Psalm 14. They're found in Psalm 53. And most of those verses are found in Romans 3. If you're in school and a teacher repeats something three times, what's that tell you? You need to listen. It's important. God says, listen, I'm watching you. I've given you a mirror so you can see how I see you. Here's what I see. None of you, none of you are doing what I want you to do. All of you are breaking my laws. And you become unfixable. There's nothing you can do to fix it. And then God directs us. Go to the next slide. 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes to his young friend Timothy. He says that from a childhood you've known the sacred writings, that's the Bible, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. God says, I've given you this book so you can look in it and see yourself as I see you. You've broken my law. You've committed crimes against me. You are broken and can't be fixed. And I've given you my law so you hunger for someone to fix you. And then this book will give you wisdom That'll lead you to Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean everybody will take it. But this book says, listen, I have an answer to your problem. And it's found in my son, the Lord Jesus. Go to the next slide. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, 
The Lord Jesus came from earth, down to, uh, from heaven down to this earth. The God himself, the second person of the Godhead. He lived a perfect life. The Bible says he did no sin, knew no sin. In him was no sin. After 30 some years, they took him out and nailed him to a cross. Nine o'clock in the morning. For three hours in the hot sun, nails through his hands and feet, back ripped open by scourging. People around the cross shouted at him. Eight different groups shouted at him, save yourself, save yourself. Even the, even the two other thieves said, save yourself and us. The Roman soldier said, listen, if you're the son of God, save yourself, come down from the cross. The religious Pharisee said, hey, you said you were the king of Israel. Come down from the cross and we'll believe. Save yourself. But the Lord Jesus knew if he saved himself, he couldn't save you and me. At noon, God turned out the lights. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. God took the sins of all these kids, all of the adults in this room that you've ever committed or ever will commit. And he put those sins on his son and he punished those sins as if he had committed them. He was our substitute. The Bible describes the lake of fire as a place where you'll be alone in the dark in pain forever. The Lord took our place. He was alone in the dark, in pain, the eternal son of God. And at the end of those three hours, the Lord Jesus said, finished. It means completely paid for. He could shout out to the universe, every person who's ever or ever will live on earth, I have paid for their sins. All those things that I see in the mirror that say, you're in big trouble, George. And some days I wake up and look in the mirror and that's what it says to me. But God's mirror says it to every one of us. And Jesus says, come to me and I'll fix it. Come to me and I'll fix it. Go to the next slide. In the same passage we began with, James 1.25, the next verse says, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If I come to this book and I let this book say to me, George, you're a sinner, there's a penalty for crimes like that against God. It's eternal separation from God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants to fix it. God wants to come and save you from, from what you deserve. The person who looks in it and responds to it, God saves. That man's blessed. The person who comes to it and understands the wisdom that this book talks about, but is a forgetful hearer and walks away without responding to it. That man 
won't be blessed in eternity. Go to the next slide. The death of Christ shows the seriousness of our sin. You and I should have been on that cross. That's what our sin deserves. It shows the love of God for us. I don't know how many people you would die a horrible death to save them, but God was willing to do it for you and me. And it shows we can be saved. Jesus said, completely paid for. Your, George Farber, your sins, all the things, all the times you've broken my law, they're paid for. My son paid if you'll trust him and receive him as your savior. We have this great promise, the next slide. John 1, 11 and 12, he came to his own. It means his own people. He came to his own people, the Jews, and his own, uh, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as receive him. To those that look in this book and say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't fix it. I desperately need a savior. You believe the message of this book. And you say, Lord Jesus, I, want, I believe you can save me. I want you to be my savior. To those who receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those that believe on his name. Next slide. God's mirror. Have you looked into God's mirror? Most of us raised our hand when you said, I looked into the mirror this morning. Has there been a time in your life where you've looked into God's mirror and let God tell you in love how, you, how he sees you, the mess we're in, and how he desperately wants to save us? Go to the next slide. If you've done that and you're a Christian, let me tell you there's another mirror, 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed from the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. When I look into the mirror and I see I'm a sinner and I'm headed to a lost eternity that I deserve, but Jesus loved me and died for me, and I receive him as my savior, then God says, you know what? In this life, I want to begin to fix what you see in that mirror that's wrong. And as you'll come to the word of God and let me speak to you through the word of God, I'll not only show you what needs to be changed in your life, I'll help you do it. And you're going to be transported from level to level to be like my son, the Lord Jesus. We actually sang that. Did you see that? We sang that in that last song that we sang. Mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. In our lives, may people see the reflection of a changed person of the image of Jesus Christ. Have you been, as a Christian, if you're here, have you been looking in the mirror? God's word. God wants to show you his son and he wants you to be like his son. He wants to help you become like his son. Well, last verse. Again, 
James 1.25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. God wants you to be blessed. And if you're here and you can't say if death were to knock at your door today, that you know you're right with God, your sins are forgiven, not because of you, because there's nothing you can do to fix it, but because you have a Savior who can. Then God wants you to look into his mirror. This is something between you and God, but if you have questions, there are people here who would love to share with you how you can know today you'll spend eternity in heaven. If you're here as a Christian, are you looking in the mirror being obedient? Are you looking? That's the first question. Are you in the word of God? Second question, are you being obedient? The Lord Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. James says, God wants you to be blessed. We will leave this morning. And two hours from now, there'll be a hundred things going through your head. And the likelihood is none of them will be from this message. We are quickly forgetful hearers. James says, don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into that trap. Put your ears on. Look into the mirror, which either case you find yourself in. And make a decision and put it into action. If there's someone here and, and you don't know you're bound for heaven, we'd love to visit with you. If you're a Christian, we encourage you, get in the word. Even you youngsters, get in the word. Let God speak to your heart. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Just your word is, is like a Swiss army knife. It's filled with all sorts of useful things. And one of them is, is a set of mirrors for us to see ourselves the way you see us, for us to see what uh, we need to do with your help to be changed. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.